Welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about how to make great decisions and what goes into being a person who is not afraid to make decisions and knows how to make good decisions. First, though, it is story time. And Dad, it's your turn. It is. So uh, I think I'll tell a joke instead of a story. Oh, that's right. Joke or story. Yeah. So uh, this is my dad's favorite joke. When I think about my dad, uh, in case you don't know, he died when I was 16 years old. He was one of the best storytellers and funny people I've ever been around. And this was his favorite joke. Hmm. And uh, and it occurs to me, I have my favorite joke is wow. a different one. But this is my dad's favorite joke. Okay. They're so, not the same joke. They're not the same joke. Okay. So. Two guys are sitting in a bar, they're strangers, you know, uh, yapping it up after work, yeah, start talking. And uh, one of the guys says, you know, I used to, for a year, I lived up in the mountains like a like a wilderness guy. I lived in this cabin up in the mountains and I hunted bears and I was living on what I could kill. And the guy was like, man, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said, well, one day I I get up in the morning and I have make some coffee and some you know, eggs or something. And I'm going to go out and start scouting. And when I open the door to my cabin, there's this giant grizzly bear and uh, his arms are in the air and the bear goes. (laughs) And the guy says, man, I'm a little embarrassed. He said, why? Well, I, I pooped my pants. (laughs) Guy said, listen, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. I mean, you open the door, giant bear, raw. Who who wouldn't poop their pants? He said, "No, not then. Just now, when I went." Rawr! <laughs> I have heard that story. That before. was my dad's favorite joke. That's very funny. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do some editing gymnastics to take down that roar you just did. Oh twice, yeah, but... we kind of red peeking there. Yeah. It'll be good. Yeah, I think it, it it heightens the story. Yeah, it does. Well, it was you know it's, that, that's. It, you use your whole body when you make a noise like that. And that's why that guy pooped his there pants. There you go. So, yeah. you know, it makes sense. That's very funny. <laughs> okay. Today we're talking about decisions. Yes. And all your life, John, you have struggled to make decisions. You hate making decisions. Well, I don't love it. Well, you hate it. And you will go to great lengths to avoid it. And that's been true your whole life. I mean, and so one of the things I'd like to just ask you is why mm-hmm. is making a decision so hard? I, it, if I could put it in a, in a benign way, yeah, it's because I'm just so easily contented. What's no, there? That's, well, I'm hold on, BS on what, that. That's, <laughs> what's there to, what's there to worry about? <laughs> no way. Let someone else make the choice because I don't even care. Well, that now that's true. Okay. Uh, you are easily happy. And so if it's like, uh, where are we going to eat? Mm-hmm. You like everything. So, yeah. yeah. But that's not what I'm talking about. Well, what are you talking about then? I'm talking where, about. Where we're going to eat is the only decision I make on a day to day basis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if there's more than one per, if you're deciding where you're going to eat, you make a decision. But when we're deciding where you and at least one other person is going to eat, it's almost like you refuse to make the decision. Mm. Why is that? There's a lot of responsibility there. <laughs> I'm serious. Even with that subject matter, you're deciding, you know, you're deciding a lot of, uh, yep, yeah, there's, there's people whose, 
who's direct fate for the next an hour, you know. Yeah, or, and or, man, or right what meal decision. you eat is a big part of your fate. That's a, there's a lot to consider, I guess. So say it's you and me yeah. or me and Lindsay. I know kind of the the I know what's going on there, you know, but with with a, a third person that I don't know very well. Yeah. You know. It's it's harder to there's unknowns. I don't know. I don't know. I it's a, I freeze up a little bit. Yeah. And so the reason decision making is an important skill is because in many ways your life will be the cumulative effect of the decisions you've made. And sometimes you'll make a decision that turns out to be catalytic, like it it, it is critical. And other times uh, you might make a decision, the failure of which is a defining moment in your life. But this skill set of making decisions, it turns out that the most successful people, the people who climb to the highest levels of leadership, this, this is one trait they all share. They can make decisions. They're not afraid mm. to make decisions. And, um, you know, the, the story is told that uh, a, a intern at a giant company asked the CEO of the company, what's the secret to success? And he said, making good decisions. And he said, well, how do I learn to make good decisions? He said, bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you and I had a discussion a long time ago, and um, you don't remember a lot of things uh, from your childhood. Yeah. This was this was this was like maybe eighth or ninth grade, as I recall. Oh, a long time ago. It was a long time ago, and I told you, I think it was that long ago. I said, John, the best decision you can make is the right decision, and the second best decision you can make is the wrong decision, and the worst decision you can make is no decision. I remember this when we were I was my senior year of high school, and we went to uh, Washington D.C. and Gettysburg. Okay, and uh, we they, we learned it as a Teddy Roosevelt quote. Is that a Teddy quote? Yeah. Oh, I'm a big Teddy fan. And one of the cool things about that trip was that we studied the Battle at Gettysburg, and from both sides of the conflict and mm-hmm. the critical decisions that were made that actually determined some of the outcome of that battle, which essentially determined some of the outcome of the war. Yeah. And so those decisions about who's going to be where, whether to take the high ground. Uh, even decisions that that generals were making and colonels were making. And so we were talking about how incredibly important decisions mm-hmm. are and that um, if you wait around for decisions to make themselves, and that's that was what I was concerned about at the time right. with your hesitancy to make a decision, is that you might become a person who waits for decisions just to make themselves. And that's actually the worst kind of decision. Yeah, that actually the worst thing you could do, worse than the wrong decision, is right. just no decision. Yeah, being wrong, I mean, is not a fun thing, but everybody's going to make bad decisions in their life. You mm-hmm. can't avoid that. So if you live, if, you're, if your goal is to avoid a mistake, then you will miss a dozen opportunities because of your hesitancy to make a mistake. Yeah. I think, well, first off, that trip is one of the highlights of my young life so far. I don't have a, the best memory, but at least from, you know, 15 on, I think it does okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that, that trip was awesome. Um, but uh, I think what I've what I've realized is decisions about, because there are things where I think, that well, that was a big decision and it was not difficult for me to make. And I think it's when it's only my interests are involved. It's very easy for me mm-hmm. because the stakes are so low. If I goof up, it's like, you know, I'm the only one who really suffers from that. Except picking a wife, you know, that decision, the decision to ask Lindsay to marry you, uh, stakes are really high. Yeah, I mean, but that was easy for me too. 
What was so easy about it? it I don't know. It was, seemed obvious. Yeah it, seemed, yeah, it seemed like just the thing. That's what came next. Yeah. And it wasn't not in a way that like, like, well, I guess this is what the world wants. You know, it was like, <laughs> it was like, I just wanted to. I don't know. You know, a uh, good friend of mine, mm-hmm. he was best man at my wedding and he is uh, your brother Tim's namesake. Mm. Uh, he called his dad. We were in college and he had fallen in love with this girl. And he said, he called his dad, dad, I'm going to, I'm going to marry this girl. And he asked his dad, you know, how do you know, um, whether this is really the girl mm-hmm. and his dad said, uh, his dad was, a was kind of, a uh, state road worker, um, from a small, small, small town in Illinois wow. out in the country. And so he's a really brilliant guy, but you know, that kind of that, that farmer street yeah. smart kind of common sense different guy. breed. Yeah. And so he said, well, son, um, picking a wife is like buying a car. You test drive and you test drive and you shop and you test drive. <laughs> and then you say, you know what? This is the car I want. I, this is it. I love this car. Mm-hmm. And you lay your money down and you buy that car and you haven't driven four miles and all of a sudden you see another car and you go, <laughs> wait a second, I like that car too. But you know what you do? You drive the car you paid for. <laughs> oh my goodness. And That's hilarious. It didn't help my buddy make it. No. He's like, what are you trying to say to me? You know. Uh, so sometimes decision making is tough. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're talking about, oh, should I marry this person or not? What am I going to feel this way about somebody else? That's obviously a huge decision. Yeah. And we make decisions, hundreds of decisions a day. What are you going to put on? You know, whether you're going to put beard oil in that amazing red beard of yours. Mm. Uh, That's a, it takes a lot of maintenance, I assure <laughs> you. And you just admitted <laughs> that it's red. See, you've been fighting well, in the I'm, past. Well, I'm just crestfallen you've beaten me into submission on that one you and Lindsay. Um, <laughs> i think i don't know the the marriage one was different i guess because uh because if i can just brag about my wife she's so dependable and she, like just of all the if if she's a car she looks like a lamborghini but has the insides of like a toyota tacoma she's just gonna go forever and i'm and i have no i have no doubt about the quality of of my wife, uh, that's true. Um, it is a safe bet. Yes. It seems like a really safe bet. Yeah, I'm I'm proud of my choice. So that was not difficult, and uh, career choice for whatever reason wasn't difficult. Um, but whenever I'm in charge of the the uh, uh, potential benefit or detriment of other people, it really it's really hard for you to it make locks up the brakes. Yeah. Well, and if and if you become a person that begins to lead other people. Um, you're going to have more decisions that affect more people. Mm, yeah, yeah. And that's why I, I hope to never find myself in that position. <laughs> so you would be happy to never be responsible? Well, when I think about like school, like uh, projects where, uh, you know, it's a, it's a team project. No one even knows each other and everyone's mm-hmm. just kind of waiting for somebody to do something. More often than not, I would be the one who does something first. But at that point, it was assigned to me. You know, it was like, well, no one else is doing anything. I'll do something. So I didn't, I never had any issues with that either. It's when I feel like it's unwanted, I guess, is when it's like, well, or, or not even unwanted, but un, um, unearned. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore. That you're assuming a place of leadership instead of other people inviting you to it. Right. But assuming, but, but with like the school example, assuming the place of leadership because everyone else is just picking their nose. Yeah. You know, that's easy for me. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. So kind of getting back to the to the 
the thing about making decisions, you know, um, when Sue and I would decide where to live and in our first 14 years of marriage, we lived in 14 different residences. Oh my word. Yeah. And one of those we lived in for six years. So, so then, so what? Not six years, maybe four years. So, uh, it was, it was a whole lot of movement. Not always to new towns, just changing. Like right. at first, we would change apartments every six months because they'd have, you know, sign a six-month lease, get a month free. So I'm like, we're changing apartments. Oh, you, <laughs> <laughs> you are ridiculous. Yes, you, I am. You I remember am the ridiculous. movie Matilda? Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's like a little witch orphan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, her, yeah. Uh, Why would you read a book when you have TV? Exactly. You're yeah. a bad guy. Blowing the sawdust on the mileage meter of the cars to bring them no, out of the No, no, that guy's a crook, man. I, just, I guess the, the frugalness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, uh, I remember, you know, Sue thinking about, you move into a neighborhood, you don't know who these people are, hmm. and it's against the law to ask. Like, realtors can't tell you about the quality of the neighbors. It's against the law to ask questions really? about your neighbors, yeah. And uh, people find out in other ways. You know, you start Facebook stalking or whatever you sure. do. But the point is, she would say, what if we move next door to a child molester? What if what if there's a what if the neighbor next door has a punk kid who's going to beat up my sons? You know, whatever luck. Good. (laughs) (laughs) And so you realize that, you know, there are people whose lives have been changed because they moved to a certain space. And so you can get really anxious about making a bad decision or they the potential impact of that decision. Hmm. And so, uh, but your life is going to be shaped by the decisions you make. And I think one of the, one of the most important skills you can have is a comfort or a wisdom about how to make decisions. And Hmm. that flaws from really this one, this one uh, thing I'm convinced of in life is that um, we should have a propensity to action like life favors the ones who do something, mm. not the ones who know stuff, not the ones who have amazing ideas, not the most creative life bends toward in the favor of those who take action. So interesting. I can't tell you how many incredible ideas I've had in my life that, that I've never taken action on. And there's people who've had, you know, incredible ideas. They just don't act on them. Yeah. And uh, for some reason there's this, hesitancy to act or a hesitancy to decide and what i'm mainly wanting to talk about in this decision making is how do i how do i reduce my hesitancy or minimize my anxiety about decisions and really make good decisions so that i will take action um you know we're introducing this podcast and this thing this journey we're on to try to help as many people as possible and Mm -hmm. write more books and do more stuff and um, we could have talked about this forever and never done a thing, right. <laughs> but it was a defining right. moment when we sat in our living room online and we started ordering microphones and we started ordering equipment and we started, uh, uh, taking online courses about how to build a thing like this. And we started and we committed ourselves. We're going to yeah. do this. Well, and, I, and I wanted, it's one of those things where, you know, two buddies like, Oh, we should, we should open a bar. Yeah. And it just, you know, obviously they talk about that for like decades until they're, you right. know, and it just never gets done. I honestly, in the beginning, thought this was going to go that way. Oh, that uh, we'd talk about it and not do it? Yeah. And so I, I credit you for the uh, for the, the gumption to get the ball rolling. And I'm, I'm ecstatic you did. I'm having a, a great time. And now I feel, you know, I feel uh, like I, I can, 
I have a lot more confidence in it now than I did in the mm. in the very very beginning when it was just an idea. Yeah, but I, that's because you took action. Yeah, and so there's people who have a fourth, fifth, sixth rate idea. Like there's five people ahead of them that have better ideas, mm-hmm. but they're not acting on their ideas. So the guy who's sixth, you know, frankly, I think people achieve enormous wealth or they achieve political power and they're not the smartest knife in the drawer. Right. Uh, they just take action and yeah. man life rewards the people who act. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're hesitant to make decisions, you will not take action. So that's why I think it's so important. And, um, you know, when you were young, I, yeah. I was concerned about your willingness to take a risk because again, merged with hard making decisions was you were a worrier. You know, your typical question started with what if, Yeah, and you asked a ton of what if questions, um, and you were always calculating the risks and imagining things that could go bad. Um, I mean, you were like, you were like eight or nine or 10 when you started worrying about how you were going to find a wife. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what if I never find a wife, you know, and your mom told you, Hey, don't worry, she'll find you. And, and it kind of, she kind of did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely it was similar to the podcast thing where I yeah. did not take the first step, I guess. But, and, uh, and life won't find you most of the time. You know, we have the sovereignty of God and his favor. Um, but man, being decisive. And so some people make decisions super fast. There's mm-hmm. probably a scale like people who who have no hesitancy to make decisions. They need minimal amounts of data. They uh, they don't need very many public opinions. They just have a gut feeling and they decide. Sure. And other people are like, they they have paralysis by analysis. And I got to figure out what could go wrong and what do people think and who's tried mm-hmm. this before. And they overanalyze before they'll make a decision. Right. Meanwhile, opportunity just sailed right past them because they take too gotcha. long yeah. to make a decision. Well, let's, let's break it down then. How do you, if you want to limit the time from conception of idea to action, how would you practically do that? Yeah, I think there's some really important things that, you know, you think about when you when you make decisions. And one of those is, you know, do I need to make a fast decision or a slow decision? Like um, how what speed is appropriate for that decision? Mm-hmm. And another one would be like, is this a command decision where I should make it all by myself? Or is this a collaboration decision? Or is this a decision someone else should make? Should I should I? Ask someone else to make this decision mm-hmm. or should I make it myself or should I collaborate? You know, as you get married and start making decisions that impact your whole family, you start having kids and now we're, I've got a job opportunity to move across the country. Oh, or, Sounds like a nightmare. See, that's what I'm talking about because those decisions are coming mm. and you will either decide, you know, I have a good friend of mine and um, his dad lived in the same rental house for 35 years, I think. Whoa. The same rental house. And he bought that house for the owner. I mean, he paid for it. Right. And never, never, never bought his own home. Yeah. Um, and you wonder, you know, why would you make, why would you make a non-decision like that? And right. I don't know. I don't know the details there, but I always marveled at the fact that he paid for a guy's house for him. Holy smokes. You know, instead of ever buying his own. Yeah. Well, those are decisions that you, that you make risk you're going to take. And so those are those are where decisions get larger. 
Well, I think with that that specific one, I think a lot of times, um, I think in, in I'm using I think a lot in uh, areas of like quick change, right? So you're graduating high school, you're graduating college, mm-hmm. you think I gotta act now, you know, like time is short, things are happening, I gotta I gotta get busy. And then after those periods of change, you're like, oh, well, now I'll be in this era of my life for 50 years, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and time slows down. And you think, well, I got all kinds of time to do stuff. Yeah. Now you're in a rental home and you're like, well, I can I can buy a house in like five years. Sure. And that turns into another five years and or a decade. So, yeah. yeah. Do you think it's just like kind of like a stagnate, like a laziness? You just get comfortable with your... Well, that's one of the things that fascinates me is why do people hesitate to make a decision or why do they refuse to make decisions or what paralyzes them from making a decision? Retirement's another example of that long game. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're young, you think, well, I've got forever to prepare for retirement. You know, I'm a young guy. I'll I'll worry about that later. Um, But there, man, the math on that, if a person puts, if a person puts $200 a year into their retirement account from the time they're 18 years of age. Mm-hmm. And they do that for the rest of their life. Never giving more than that. 200 bucks a year from 18 to the rest of their life. And another guy puts nothing in retirement until he's 50. And then he puts in 20,000 a year. Whoa. The kid with 200 a year from 18 will have triple the retirement money that the guy at the end has because Always of the power works. of compound interest. Yeah. So this non-decision can cost you a lot. Or the decision that I need that 200 bucks, you know, that 200 bucks I need mm-hmm. to live more than I need it in this future I'm going right. to have. You're not looking at the big picture. Yeah. So decisions are huge. I mean, they, they're going to shape uh, big parts of your life. So mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, do I go with my gut? Do I seek a lot of counsel? Um how how do I make good decisions? But I, I guess for me, I'm thinking, why is the decision making so hard? I keep asking you that question, and I don't feel like I have a grip on why making a decision is hard for you. Other than you don't want to ruin somebody's life or ruin their meal or right. or impact them because of your decision. So you would rather let them impact your life by them making the decision because you could take it. Well, what I don't know. It could just be... Um sibling psychology i'm the youngest you know my whole oh, okay birth order kind of thing yeah most of my life has been decision decisions made for me mm-hmm. i'm I was very very rarely put in a position where i would make the decision for the group mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. so maybe it's just a comfort thing yeah um but i don't really know yeah i was also if if my memory does serve correct uh i was alone a lot as a kid apart from in my in in the home with friends i had a lot of friends and i loved hanging out with my family but if I had like a Saturday at home because of how uh, the siblings are spread out um, by the age of, I don't know, 10, it was just me and Bethany, right? Or me yeah. and Bethany and, yeah. and who the odd sibling who came back for a little while. And so, uh, I, yeah, I spent a lot of time just hanging out. And, uh, and you could entertain yourself and your imagination oh forever. So you didn't need, you didn't need a lot of interaction. I've, I don't think I've been bored once in my life. <laughs> I, I'm very easy to entertain. Well, one of the things, this is kind of a side note, but at our house, when our kids would say, dad, I'm bored, I would say, say it correctly. And they'd have to say, dad, 
I'm boring <laughs> because my compass that. is only a unintelligent person is boring. Is boring. Well, I think if you were to like Truman show me, like you have like a, right. like cameras, it would it would not have high ratings. It would be very boring. Yeah, it'd be very boring. Yeah, but, but you but it was exciting inside your head, right? Yeah. But so but in reality, I don't really I don't have I don't know if I have those insights you're looking for either as to why it's difficult for me, other yeah. than just the. I don't have a lot of experience in making decisions for people. Yeah. So uh, maybe we should just talk about how to make good decisions. I, I would love that. So, On a personal note, I would love to find that out. Yeah. So before we talk about how to make good decisions, let's uh, take a little commercial break here, John. Sure. So uh, we want to kind of uh, invite you to consider, those of you who are listening to us, you know, invite you to consider partnering with us on this little mission of Upstream with Jim and John and, and the books we want to write and the content we want to help contribute to, you know, people trying to figure out how to follow Christ closely in the complexities of life. And so um, we want to encourage you to visit our website and consider supporting us. What's our mechanism for uh, crowd-based funding, John? Yeah, so we uh, partnered with Patreon.com, and uh, it's a uh, yeah just a crowdfunding tool where uh, you pledge a certain – a dollar amount every month uh, to give, so it's continuous support. Okay, and uh, it can be as low as uh, one dollar, and you get benefits for supporting. So yeah, so what we've done is we've set up um, structures of partners, and so you can give as low as a dollar a month, and we have some categories of support where you get different benefits and rewards if you're a partner with us on a monthly basis. And so we just want to encourage you to first of all check it out. You can find it the easiest way is at our website, jimandjohn.com, and there's no H in the John. No H in John. So jimandjohn.com, J I M A N D J O N dot com. And you'll see a, a little orange button right on the homepage that says uh, uh, Patreon on there. Patreon. You and you way. click on that, and that'll take you to our Patreon page where you can kind of see uh, how many people are supporting us and what that level of support is and what our goals are and what their different rewards are for supporting us. And uh, this this podcast is going to keep going free of charge, uh, but it's just it's you you making sure we continue to uh, uh, to do what we're doing. Yeah, kind of contributing to our mission, which we hope to, our goal in the end game is to create content that's helpful for people, both in more podcasts and in future books and e-books. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, the higher that level of support, the more content we can create because it'll create time. It'll be subsidizing um, partly your income so that you can devote more energy to um, uh, editing and content creation and research and stuff for us. So exactly. check it out. And um, again, we're going to give you everything we offer on the podcast for free. And if you don't want to be a supporter, then things like eBooks and, and published books cost money if you want those. But if you're partners, you get, you get advantages on those. So check it out and consider that. And if you, if you say, man, Hey, I like what you guys are doing, but I don't want to don't either can't afford to support you or don't want to do that. No problem at all. We want you to keep staying uh, connected to our podcast and thanks for being part of our tribe. Yeah. So give me, give me the secret sauce. How do you, how do we make good decisions? Well, yeah, I was thinking there's, when it comes to decisions, there's like three categories. There's choices. Um, choices means I have two good options in front of me and I have to pick one. So mm-hmm. am I going to have ice cream or cake or, or something else for dessert. Yeah. Like, what dessert am I going to have? Am I going to wear this oh. denim jacket or this denim yeah. jacket? Yeah, good news is I'm going to look great either way, but i got to make a decision. i got to make mm-hmm. a choice. Uh, another one is a decision where um, now there is uh, 
there are there are um, options in front of me that affect other people or that there may be um, a, a negative consequence to this one and a different negative consequence to that one. Mm. And so I have to make a decision. But, like a, uh, like a uh, the less of two evils type thing? Or? Well, uh, sometimes it could be that, or it could be that the decision just has more weight. Hmm. And so there's ramifications either way I go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win with either the decision, but I'm also going to have some loss with either decision sure. or some consequence. Whereas a dilemma is, uh-oh, I'm in a spot here where I'm about to experience pain. Oh, okay. And I have to choose which pain to so experience. That's the lose lose. That's the dilemma, the lose lose decision. Gotcha. Uh, and so I'm in a rock and a hard place here, but I've got to make a decision. So you have a wide range, you know, of decisions that you'll end up in your life having to make. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about, and I, I did a little research, you know, looking for uh, people who have wisdom about how to frame a conversation or a decision in your mind, and some yeah. some tools to help you kind of think this through. So uh, one of the things was to, uh, first of all, you know, um, outline the issue itself. What is it I need to decide? Because Mm -hmm. sometimes you can get overwhelmed and there's like nine decisions and you've clumped them all together. And and to you, they feel like one massive problem you have to solve. When really, let's just make the first decision. What's the first decision I need to make? And then break it into smaller decisions. And it kind of takes that that weight off of there. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the pros and cons list. Pros and cons lists are great because then you can see the wins and the losses and start to even, I, sometimes I even put number values. To those. I know it becomes almost like a math problem. Yeah. And then yeah. You, you say, well, the high score tells me to do that, you know, and yeah. that can be really helpful. Another idea is to deal with your emotions, to acknowledge the fact that I'm having some anxiety about this and I need to just confront mm-hmm. my anxiety, minimize my fears. Um, Sometimes again, we talked to fear about fear earlier. If if it's a fear of wor- of of loss, a fear of failure, a fear of hurting somebody's life, a fear of man, people are going to hate me if I make this decision. This is going to be an unpopular decision. Yeah, you know, to just confront your emotions and get a grip on those, so that they're not controlling you or um, misleading you in your decision making. Sure. And so uh, that's it's amazing if you make an emotional decision. Odds are very high you made a bad decision. Yeah. Another thing is to consider how much information do I need before I can make this? You know, do I need more data? Right. Or do I have all the information I need? I'm just afraid. Right. So understanding how much data you need. Yeah. And on on time, I think what we mentioned earlier where more often than not, you should not wait to make the decision. Uh, Emotional decisions, you almost always have more time than you think you have. Uh, just let it breathe a little bit. That's let a great cool point. off. Yeah. In yeah. fact, you know, it's the whole uh, car salesman technique. Gonna get you in a room yeah. and tell you, what will it take for you to buy this car today? Right. And, you know, one of my rules of thumb is if you force me to make a decision right now in this moment, the answer is no. Mm. So it, so uh, if it's that urgent of a decision, I'm going to default to the safe answer. And I'm going to say no. But always take the time you need, realizing that I don't have forever. Sometimes yeah. you got to make a decision. Well, I remember one thing that you always say is there's no such thing as a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yes. And you broke that rule. You guys were looking for a house probably four years ago now, five years ago. Mm-hmm. And you found this house and uh, you really wanted it and no one else wanted it. And you said, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. And we didn't buy the house. And we didn't buy it. And I'm glad we didn't. But uh, 
Well, I, I still remember. I still drive by that house, and I'm like, <laughs> man, that's a great place to live. It was a fixer-upper. It was a historical, uh, uh, what do they call those, a historical monument or something. Something, yeah. yeah. Was, you know, it was a, so there was all kinds of laws about what you can or can't do to a property like that. And, uh, and I'm glad we didn't buy it, but I'm telling you, that house <laughs> is going to make somebody very rich. Whoever did buy it. It's going to make that guy rich one day because that yeah. thing had upside out the wazoo. If they still, I mean, I would have hit my head what, on every a- roof in that place. <laughs> I would be brain dead by the time you guys moved out of that house. Yeah. What is a wazoo, John? You know, they say you got out something the out the wazoo. What is, what is a wazoo? Well, Washington State University. Oh, there you go. Uh, Washington. Uh, what are those cougars? Those are- yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what a wazoo is. That's a great question. <laughs> That's okay. our next episode. Yeah. Another question to ask yourself is, what would Batman do? Uh, <laughs> or what would Winston Churchill do? Okay. Or what would some someone, hero I have? Someone yeah. you look up to. Yeah, you know, sometimes when I'm playing golf, I'll have a shot, and and guys go, "Man, what are you going to do?" Or if I hit a great shot, they'll go, mm-hmm. "That's a great shot." Yeah, I will ask myself, you know, what would Tiger do? And I just do that. <laughs> what would uh, Tiger seven years ago do? Right. Or, yeah. Wow. I don't ask myself what would Tiger do on a moral question, right. but on a but on a golf question, I'll ask myself that. You know, yeah. for you, it's what would Abe Lincoln do? Yeah. Probably. Um, and so really to ask yourself if what would this hero of mine, you know, what would he do right now? Mm-hmm. I want to be that guy. Or sometimes I ask myself this question, if I were truly courageous right now, if I did the if I did the courageous thing, what would I do? Yeah. And sometimes you say, okay, then I'm going to I'm going to have some courage. Yeah. To kind of put the other side of that of that spectrum from from complete courage to complete shrewdness. Um, not that shrewdness is the opposite of courage, but, but more fear-based, um, decision-making is there, can you think of examples of times where it was best to practice caution in things instead of courage, instead of just going for it, man, um, that's an interesting question. Cause you, it kind of, it makes me think of, are there questions, there are decisions I regretted. Mm. Because that was, sounds like a decision I would have regretted. I made a courageous sure. decision when I should have made a more calculated or, decision. Or you could think of a time where you made a calculated decision and it really paid off. Yeah. If, if either of those have happened. Well, calculated decisions pay off because you 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 did the math. You analyzed the data you had. It was good intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had good intel and you made a decision and it, and it actually worked. Uh, I've made some bad decisions. Uh, that weren't because they were courageous. I don't know that I've ever made a courageous decision I regretted. Hmm. Uh, I've made emotional. I mean, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, I've made emotional decisions I regretted, but I've never, I don't remember ever making a courageous decision I regretted. Uh, but I have made decisions I regret, and um, I think most of them were probably uh, emotional. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that is helpful too, you know, you talked about a pro and con list sure. is what's the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. You know, I play that a lot. Well, like that's just the same as the what if thing. And you th- gave me flack for that. Well, you were asking, you know, what if we have a, what if our tire blows out on this road trip? <laughs> and uh, that's a good question. It's a good question. And your Bring brother, you know, your brother saw a commercial when he was a kid uh, underinflated tires are the number one cause of catastrophic blowouts. <laughs> and he must have told us that line on every road trip the rest of his uh, life. Uh, underinflated tires are the number one cause of catastrophic <laughs> blowouts. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, you, you say, go ahead and let your mind race. Sure. 
What's the nuclear fallout, worst catastrophic result if I make this decision? And what you typically find out is, I can handle that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, is anybody going to die? Probably not. (laughs) Uh, Could it cost me some money? Yeah. Uh, But what's the worst thing that can happen? My parents have an extra bedroom. Lindsay and I can move in there for a while and recalibrate if we have to. Mm. Uh, You know, you say, let it play out. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And you realize we could recover from that. Yeah. So there's rarely a disastrous outcome. And if there is, well, then. Yeah. One thing that might teach you is that your pain tolerance is a little low. If you think, well, that would just be the worst. Maybe you need to kind of look at that again. That you don't need to have, you know. Like, like if, if your worst case scenario is you lose some of your nice things or something, maybe, maybe you need to recalibrate those values. You know, that's an interesting thing, John, because uh, somebody asked the question, and this is a really telling question because that's a personality question. Mm. Um, that's a risk reward. Uh, that, that risk is too high for my comfort and the reward is not that great. Yeah. And so other people would say, I'll, I'll gamble for that reward. You know, I'll bet $20 to make two more. Right. <laughs> and somebody else, well, I'm not betting 20 unless I can make 2000. Right. So that, that comfort level, uh, think about this question. Would you rather have a life where you had incredibly high highs and correspondingly incredibly low lows? Or would you rather have a life that was just flat and steady all the way front to back? Hmm. What's your answer to that question? Is there, can I make like a middle option? Is there, well, what would that be? It would be moderately high highs and moderately low lows. Yeah. So So that's a roller coaster that nobody would get on because it's not going to have highs and it's not going to have lows. The thrill is gone. It's going to have, it's going to be, it's going to be a cruise through the country instead of a roller coaster ride. Right. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I guess so. When you put it like that, it sounds a lot less appealing, (laughs) but it sounds nice to me. Well, you know, there are people, there are personalities. They want to go through life with their hands in the air going, you know, uh, (laughs) and they want to feel the adrenaline pump and they want to have an adventure. And other people say, no, I want safe. You know, I want low risk and I'll, I'll sacrifice these high, incredible experiences because I'm avoiding the deeply low despairing ones. Hmm. And so that comes into the personality thing when I'm making a decision. Hey, what is congruent with me? And sometimes that adventurous thrill seeker needs to say, I don't need another deep low. So I'm going to make a conserv- a little more conservative decision than is typical for me. Hmm. Other people would say, I've got to break out of my comfort zone. I've got a little picture I of a chalkboard drawing you know there's a big circle it says your comfort zone and then there's a tiny circle off to the side that says where the action is (laughs) where the magic happens yeah where the magic happens and so sometimes we have to get out of that but that's that's a big part of your decision making you know how much risk am I comfortable taking yeah and do I and what am I going to miss if I don't take a big risk I think, and also the, it's not, it's not a rule of the, of reality that you're going to experience low lows with your high highs. Like they don't, they don't have to correspond that way. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or would you, would you disagree? Well, I think that, uh, you know, what goes up must come down when you climb a mountain, you got to climb back down. Uh, growth happens in the Valley. There's all these kinds of little sayings that actually have Mm -hmm. a lot of truth to them. And it is, I cannot imagine someone who, in fact, I would say if you study, biographies and uh, people that you would say, you know, epic people of history, you know, right. uh, they had incredible highs and every one of them has 
horribly low lows. Hmm. Um, I call it their give up story. Every person who achieved greatness has a give up story. And it could be that everybody has uh, painful lows, but um, I don't know. I, I, Maybe maybe you don't get to escape lows either way, so you might as well go high. <laughs> maybe. Well, I was gonna say I, I can like if you think of just like your your everyday Joe's living for the weekend. Yeah. Um, I bet you they they're having regular lows with with seldom highs. That that's kind of the, yeah. the view that I would see on it. I don't know if that's accurate at all, but it's a good it's a it's a great conversation. You know, it's a good question to ask. I think the next thing I would think is make a backup plan. Like if this if if this doesn't work, do I have an exit point? Do I have a go no go point? Um, if this falls apart, what am I going to do? That'll help comfort you too, and yeah. have you ready for, you know, if it falls apart. Yes, yeah, so that way you're not you're not thinking that if this doesn't work, I'm just you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, so that's gonna that's gonna amplify that fear yeah. probably. A couple more tips of things that have helped me make decisions mm-hmm. is uh, limit your options. Like. First of all, brainstorm about what all the options are. Sometimes there's another solution available to you that you haven't thought about because you narrowed your focus on this one urgent, you know, binary choice. When it's not a binary choice, there might be nine choices. And so brainstorming that, what are all the possible solutions to this problem or what are all the decisions I can make? And then reduce the list. One of the things that that I, I think is helpful in a marriage situation is you and your wife talk about every option in front of us on this decision. And you say you end up with a list of nine or 10. My preference is to say, push yourself till you have 10, hmm. 10 options. And then, okay, you get to eliminate one of them. You get to veto one item on that list <laughs> and they scratch it off. I, I hate that option. And then you scratch off yours and you do that a couple of times. Now you've reduced it from 10 to six. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep narrowing the field and it'll help you uh, narrow down your decision. So, I think limiting your options makes it easier to pick one. Yeah. Um, what are these, again, just to just to kind of ground it in specific examples, what do these big decisions even look like? Because I'm having really vague images in my head because I don't have a whole lot of these moments. Most of my decisions are, you know, how are we going to spend this weekend? You know, mm-hmm. that's like, that's a sizable because it's a few days. And, yeah. You know. Well, um, you're driving a truck at what year is your truck uh oh two you're driving a 2002 truck with how many miles on it Eighty five thousand. and your wife's car is how many miles uh like 2.7 hundred miles i think so it's really up there okay so there's going to come a point where you gotta you gotta do something for vehicles hmm. so what do we buy um well, are we going to, do we need a four door in case we start, you know, procreating in case God works some kind of miracle that we really <laughs> don't want. Well, so, yeah. Expecting. Yeah. Or somebody's going to give you a car. What's going to happen yeah. there? And, uh, who drives the new car? And I mean, that's just one small thing. Uh, your lease is up in your apartment at some point. Are mm-hmm. we going to stay here and sign another lease? Are we going to move to a bigger spot. When is it time to buy a house? Um, Romo's not going to live forever. When Romo <laughs> goes to dog heaven or wherever dogs go when they die, uh, I think dogs go to heaven, cats go to hell, but whatever. Who knows? Uh, so but yes. will we get another dog? You know, should we get a dog? And if we say, oh, what kind of dog? When should we start thinking about having kids? Um, Lindsay's in a career path. 
where there's going to be opportunities for her. What if one of those opportunities requires relocating? Hmm. And now, well, whose job, whose job do we follow the career path on? Right. Um, when she, when you have kids, is she going to stay at home and be with kids? Are you going to do childcare? Are you going to be a stay at home dad? You know, what's going to happen there? I mean, the list is just going to go on and on and on. And gotcha. the ante is going to get higher and higher and higher. We're going to buy a house. Well, how much money should we have down for a house? Um, we're going to va- do vacations. And if we're going to do a mild vacation and save money, are we going to do a big blowout? And there goes our down payment on a house because we wanted to see the world. Right. Uh, do we want to be people who see the world or people who acquire things? I mean, there's just on and on and on. Gotcha. And okay, so, that's helpful. Yeah. And so um, what would you say, based on where you're at right now in your marriage and your life, What's going to be the next big decision you two have to make? Um, I don't know. We're kind of in this limbo phase with life life uh, um, progression. Yeah. Where we have sizable student loans. We want to knock those out before we do anything, before we get to those next adult steps. So put buying a house, mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. kids, you know, all that. Um, so probably the next one... Uh, is vocationally. Lindsay's Lindsay's on her career path. I'm still kind of in limbo. So that could present probably um, some issues. And then, uh, yeah, whenever those loans clear up, then then we'll start making some some big boy moves, adult moves. Yeah. Well, her car is 270,000 miles on it. That engine could blow. You know, you might be forced to make a car purchase decision. True. Uh, ahead of schedule. Yeah. And so... Uh, you know, that's going to be one where, what do we do there? Do we buy used? Do we pay cash? Do we buy brand new? And what kind of vehicle? Um, do we sell your truck and get whatever we can out of her blown up car and just buy one really nice car and one beater? Hmm. I mean, you just, you'll have, you'll have that option as well. Yeah. I think that uh, the, maybe the last uh, advice that I would say, and this probably should have been the first advice is <laughs> pray about it. Mm. Um, we have this knowledge that God is for us. We have this knowledge that God has already gone ahead of us, that God goes ahead of us, behind us, beside us, and that we can trust his guidance. Um, so man, pray about it. If nothing else, that'll, it'll help calm your fears. It'll give you that reminder that God is on the job. I'm not doing this alone. Uh, the scripture says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God and God will give it to him without showing favoritism. Mm-hmm. So Lord, give me wisdom. Um, help me sort out my motives. Sometimes you're going to make, yeah. uh, you're going to be leaning toward a decision. This happened to me so many times in my marriage with Sue, where I know we should do X mm. and she's absolutely certain we should not do X. And through the process, sometimes painful, I would realize that my that I'm so convinced of X because I I win with X. Mm. It was absolutely a selfish motive. Sure. And I wasn't thinking about the best for us or the best for everyone. I was thinking about the best for Jim. Yeah. And so sometimes when you pray about stuff like that, you start to discern your motives. Um and when you're a married person, if you're conflict avoiders, you don't want that friction of discussing an issue or making a decision because you have the fear of, oh, this is going to hurt our relationship. 
then it makes decisions make it even harder because yeah. you're afraid to assert your opinion. Right. Uh, it, it just slows down the whole process where you're both just dancing around things. And, yeah. Yeah. And then you end up saying, well, you just decide. And then you, you check out and you hand off the decision. Right. Then they make a decision you hate. Yeah. And then later. And then you punish them for yeah. it. One of the reasons I'm really glad we're doing this is because we'll have conversations like this in our in our personal lives. And then later on, I'll forget most of it. And I'll be like, I wish, because I'll go away with clarity. Yeah. I'll be like, I wish I could go back to that conversation and just watch it again. <laughs> so even if this just flops, I'll be using these conversations. Uh, this one and the um, the politics one, I'll probably have to go back to because I'm already, I've already, I'm already re- regressed back to where I was before that one. Yeah. Um, well, so, that's why, yeah, again, we want to say to our listeners, man, we're just really grateful for you listening to this. Um, but we've decided if... If this if this show has only two listeners and it's Jim and John, <laughs> yeah, upstream with Jim and John, yeah, for Jim and John, and by Jim and, and John. by Jim and John, uh, and our Patreon supporters are Jim and John. Yeah, you know we're going to keep doing it because it's really encouraging us to keep having conversations together and archiving those dis- those discussions, and that's a real win for you and me. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. All right, John. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway on the subject of making decisions? Do you have a thought from this whole conversation where you say, I think this is my, this is my primary big brick takeaway on this conversation. I think it really, it was, it resonated with me in a way where I just, I recognize that it's very, very true. I believe that, that people who do run the whole world, regardless of their qualifications, Mm -hmm. if you're doing anything, you're already doing more than a lot of people, probably close to 70% of people, maybe mm-hmm. more. Um, so I think that's really, really accurate. And I think uh, um, part of that is just people maybe being too contented, as I mm-hmm. think I can be, mm-hmm. and just being like, well, I'm just going to be comfortable with my uh, with my life until I die. And it's like there, there's more for you here than that. Yeah, you know? and, and the thing is that might be safe. Mm-hmm. You might not lose much, right? Except for the immeasurable missed opportunities, exactly, and all the fruit of those opportunities that you missed because you wouldn't consider, right, making a decision or or taking some action. Yeah, I think that's what stuck with me most in uh, in this conversation. That's ex- that excites me because that is what I was thinking was the biggest uh, value of this conversation is that exact point that. Um, that man, nothing trumps taking action. Mm-hmm. Even if you take the wrong action to keep moving and take some action is, is just so important. I think for me too, um, I, my tension in decision-making, especially the, you know, as I lead a bigger and bigger church or have more, um, more people's livelihood in my hands. One of the things sure. we have 153 employees. And so when I think about decisions that impact their livelihood, yeah. Um, it, it just, it can sober me. And so I, I run this, this is where my battle is. Um, scripture says uh, that there is wisdom in the counsel of many advisors. And so it's really smart to get advice, to, to consult with people and, and ask, you know, people older than you or people who've been further down the road than you, or Mm -hmm. people who are going to be impacted by the decision, you know, to get advice. But sometimes I stay camped in the I need advice zone. Sure. And I, because I just don't want to make the decision. Right. And sometimes I'm noticing 
that when I say, Lord, I need to talk to someone about this, I hear the Lord say to me, no, you need to talk to me about this. Hmm. This isn't, this is you and me. And I want you to do what I'm asking you to do. And I, you don't need anyone's opinion about it. And wow. I'm finding that to be a growing occurrence for me, especially as we talk about this. Uh, you and I were talking about it earlier today about the 10 second rule. Yeah. You know, if you feel prompted by God to do something, do it now. Yeah. And uh, because, because I'm in that journey, I'm realizing how many times I will think God has asked me to do something and I'll still go get the opinion and the advice of seven other people when I really just need to trust that and go. Yeah. Other times I follow my gut and I should have asked somebody's advice. Gotcha. Finding the balance right there is probably my biggest challenge in decision making. Yeah. I don't know. These aren't exact sciences, you know, I don't know It's, it's good if, if anyone is that good at it to not make bad decisions or hasty decisions. Um, but I think these are the, I don't know. It seems like you're on the right track. Yeah. You know, there've been times where a group of us have made a decision at work and then either my wife or some other woman will say, let me guess, there wasn't a single female in the room when you were having this conversation, (laughs) you know, because we totally missed the mom opinion or the female perspective. Yeah. And we made a caveman stupid decision just in that echo chamber. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a big deal. Well, listen, I hope this has been helpful uh, yeah. to you, and we're grateful that you've listened. John, walk us through uh, ways to subscribe and follow and Instagram and Twitter. Walk us through all that. Yeah, whatever uh, whatever service you're on, listen to this. If you could follow us there, turn on your notifications, uh, however you like to handle your, uh, your subscribe. podcast. Subscribe, yeah. Uh, uh, we're on all the, all the major providers. And then uh, if you want to follow us a little deeper, you can start at jimandjohn.com. No, no H, H in the John. No H in John. And uh, there we have our blog that we post on at least twice a week. And all of our podcasts are on there. You can uh, check out our book that we wrote uh, mm-hmm. earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, links to all of our social media will be on there. Our We have an Instagram, a Twitter, and our Facebook. We use uh, my dad's Facebook. Uh, and all of that's on there. So uh, Yeah, and um, we have uh, we have at least two ebooks kind of outlined. Uh, we just need the time to sit down and write them and get those done. And so, again, for those of you who decide to partner with us and help us, that'll help us a lot. But um, I was thinking, you know, uh, last night, John, I was thinking mm-hmm. about, so it's probably bad to spring this on you in front of our <laughs> in front of our podcast friends, but yeah, probably. I was thinking about, you know, the Ten Commandments of Relationships. Oh, yeah. We had started on that, uh, man, a year ago, I yeah, think. Yeah, a long time ago. Maybe two years. So we've got some content there. I think that would make a really great ebook. Um, and we've got a couple of other ideas on uh, on ebooks that will be helpful. So yeah. And that's a, that's a goal on Patreon. Once we start making, I believe well, I won't say the number just in case I'm wrong. Once we start making a, a, a certain amount of money, we will begin production on uh, annual eBooks. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so more to come. Thanks for being our partner. Thanks for listening in. Uh, tell your friends, share the podcast with people. Um, and we're just grateful. Also, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Drop by our website. There's also a place where you can email us. You can, you can um, drop in comments What's the email? Is it info at jimandjohn.com? Uh-huh. Info at jimandjohn.com. You can email yeah. us there, info at jimandjohn.com. Submit ideas for the podcast. Hey, why don't you guys talk about this? Have a conversation about that. We'd love to hear that. We will respond to every email we get. And uh, thanks for being a part of the Jim and John tribe. Awesome. We'll see you guys next week. Okay, start talking. So this is how I plan to talk and uh, keep the conversation going. 
And this is how I plan to talk. I'll probably oh, move. you just went quiet. See, you were talking louder just a minute ago. You want to see the levels, old man? I'm cranked up. <laughs> You're little bitty. You want to see the levels, <laughs> <bitty> old man? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 